Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Garden Culture Podcast. This guest today is one of my dear friends. Her name is Chloe McIntosh from Boxwood Avenue. She's one of the most requested guests that I've had from you guys. Yes, I listen to your requests. I love them. So Chloe is incredible. And the metamorphosis of her, she'll tell her story literally going from like sewing aprons with her aunt to making pillows before Boxwood was even a main brand, all having in mind this shop that she wanted at the end of the day, and then coming full circle and talking about the power of taking retail and merchandise and making it so, so personal. And she travels to Europe and tells people's stories and curates the most incredible goods like stunning ceramics from Provence and soaps from these sisters. And it's just She has an incredible story that's so real. It's so relatable. I've seen it unfold since day one, which is really special. And I can just, she is now a a high-end interior designer, totally living her dream, who also gardens. We've got some amazing epiphanies in this episode. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear from Chloe. I also have to plug a tiny little, put in a little caveat. I apologize for my voice. We've been recovering from the flu over in my house. So I sound a little different than normal. Hang in there with me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, lovely Miss Chloe. How are you? I am so good. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to, I'm just excited for you because the podcast is really, really inspiring and I think you're doing an an amazing job. So I'm, I'm honored to be part of your baby. Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) Thank you. That is so sweet. It's been a super fun journey. And I know we chatted for a quick sec before we jumped in here, but um, it's been really fun to see how people are really enjoying like my spin on home and garden and the people that really are just living garden and nature inspired lives. Um, Because I just want everyone to feel that and be inspired to do it and not give up and all the things. Before we go one second longer, no one can see my screen, but my favorite thing is that your title is Head Goat Lady on your video. <laughs> I, uh, head Goat Lady is like, uh, I use it all the time. It's it's what, I, I think I even have it on my business cards. It's so, <laughs> so good. Head Goat Lady is my title and um on Canva. I don't know if anybody uses Canva. Everybody uh, uses like, Canva. Okay. So we use it for our team, like even our design boards and stuff. And so like HGL, people are like, who's HG? Like who's HG in our design files? I'm like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's just me. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, one of the things I was thinking about when I first, I mean, years ago and us, um, our friendship has been able to do so many really cool things, which I really love. Um, I wish yeah. we, I wish, I think the next phase of our relationship should be like in person hanging out. Absolutely, <laughs> It feels like I know you and hang out with you regularly, but um, 
I think it's still in your bio on Instagram and all over the place, the Mew Mew to Moo Moo tagline. And what I love is I had the opposite. I was like Moo Moo to Mew Mew and now like to Birkenstocks basically. (laughs) (laughs) but I want to so um I want to take things like a little bit to the beginning and speaking of Mew Mew here a little bit about just your upbringing where did you grow up what was your family dynamic kind of like um so I grew up in Reno Nevada and I grew up actually kind of in the country um like outside of town and we always had horses growing up and we had um land and like I grew up making mud pies in the backyard. So I think that truly my roots have always been, you know, um, being in touch with nature. And then growing up, I, we, we moved kind of all around a little bit. My parents separated. And so I was living more within the city. And, um, I think as a young woman at 17, 18, 19, maybe even into 20, I had this idea of what life should look like or life could look like. And I definitely, what I thought was important was, you know, going to specific places and more material items and things like that, like that. I thought, okay, if I have all of this, then that's my idea of success. And I was dating my husband, Greg, at the time, and we were living in Reno, and his family owns this cattle ranch, and he, he didn't really spend too much time up there. Like It was kind of like a vacation home. His grandparents had passed away, and um, one day we were going to college, and he said, I am not going to finish out you know, going to school. I really want to move to my family's cattle ranch, and I was like, oh my gosh. They're like, what? It was just, it seemed kind of like a curveball to me. So I decided to stay in school and he moved up here to where we live now. And he really fell in love with it. And I think it's probably within his roots too, because of his fifth generation to run this ranch. His mom, it's his mom's side and his mom had moved to Reno. So that's how he ended up in Reno. Um, so after two years, I finished out college and I moved up to this ranch and it's a town of 99. It's very small. And I really, really found a sense of peace and well-being living out here where there aren't those material things. And it was so refreshing to me because as a young girl, what I thought was important, and then really as I kind of found my identity and what I realized was important to me, it was so different. And so I started Boxwood, Boxwood Avenue, my business, to really share that discovery of getting in touch with nature, slowing down, living a bit more simply, releasing some of those um, tangible items for living more intentionally and more meaningfully. And I, at first, I don't think I realized what I was doing. <laughs> like it, what there wasn't that much intention into Boxwood. I, I just had this different feeling when we moved up here. And so that's how kind of Boxwood came to be and how I started to really realize what was more important to me and how I wanted to live my life. Well, I think you're actually a little bit younger than I am, but I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we kind of came of age like college time around like the Carrie Bradshaw era where Mm -hmm. it's all about like Manolo's. I mean, if you're into fashion and I was the same, I was like so 
I don't know, just wanted sort of that chic jet set businesswoman briefcase was like what it was very hustle culture, I think was like really starting to get going. And there's some cool positives there. And don't get me wrong. I love a stiletto still, but, (laughs) but it's been months since I've worn any. Um, But I love that. And I think that is such an incredible theme I've heard from so many people who have dedicated their lives to the pursuit of things like you share so much um, and and we'll dig into all the facets of what you do, but beyond being an incredible designer, you're a really, really good, like home chef and gardener and you do all of these other things. And I think it's really beautiful that you like to show that progression and to always honor that, like the roots of it and kind of the whole metamorphosis, I guess. Yeah. So actually I've always really liked to cook. Well, I think my journey started when my aunt got me a sewing machine. I was like, I think for my 16th or 17th birthday, I don't remember. Um, but she got me, did you want one? No, I like definitely not my, my, um, but I like love where this is going. Yeah. I mean, I was very much like, I'm going to go out and buy whatever dress I want, you know, or, or whatever. So, um, she got me the sewing machine and I started making, oh, we made aprons because my, my family is French. So my aunt, my great aunt had all of this wonderful fabric and, um, she had passed away. So my aunt was like, we're going to take all of this extra fabric and we're going to make an apron out of it for every woman in the family to like pass on this heritage and legacy of Nina, who's my great, which by the way, I'm obsessed with that idea. But at 16, were you like annoyed? I just, I was like, sure. You know, my aunt, my aunt and I are very, very close. So I wasn't annoyed, but I was kind of like, okay. Yeah. So she gave, gave me the sewing machine, right? So I started sewing pillows and I guess I'm just kind of an entrepreneur at heart because then I started an Etsy shop and I, I think I was 17 when I started my Etsy shop. So th- I was sewing pillows and now still to this day, we have like this ginormous pillow wall at the shop. Yes. It's very like full circle, but, um, Anyway, so I, I started sewing pillows and I was also in foods class and I had this incredible foods teacher and he taught me like everything, all the basics, mm. like everything I know kind of. And so I think that I always enjoyed it, but I just didn't recognize the joy that I did get out of doing these things until I really moved away, slowed down and saw that that sense of fulfillment that came from crafting and making things and doing things with my hand and I think on my website, we have, um, the, the fulfillment of a job well done with, you know, using your hands and there's something to be said for that. I I think like the best feeling in the world is taking something, whether it be a seed, a piece of raw land, a piece of raw fabric or a blank slate and creating something useful out of it. That, that process of creation is really like people's flow state, Mm. I think, at least for me. Yeah. Oh, I so agree. I think that um, that was part of like my personal resistance in living in like the suburbs in the city and trying to raise my mm-hmm. kids is feeling like everything is so comfortable and so convenient here that mm-hmm. you lack a lot of that fulfillment and confidence that comes from a job well done by your own hands using natural materials and the power of creativity or co-creation or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um so I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's amazing. I really want to explore because something that's been so incredible to watch is your 
evolution from, I didn't even know, pillow sewing, but to, <laughs> <laughs> to blogging, to interior designer, to shop owner. I know you're doing these like insane jaw-dropping retreats internationally. You're taking international design clients. Like your dreams have really like taken off and you've been such a beautiful example from an entrepreneur perspective for me to even watch. But I would love to hear more about that process, Um, especially because a lot of people I think originally knew you as like gardening, cooking and doing some home decorating through the blogger lens. Yes. So, you know, I always wanted a shop. I don't know why. It's just like this calling. You know, everybody has that weird calling. Maybe it's not weird, but it's like this calling that you feel. Just that nudge. You know, yeah, that nudge to do. So I always wanted a shop. And I recognized though, I couldn't just go out and buy inventory and start a shop without a a brand, right? Like people weren't going to be buying what I was selling if they didn't know who I was or why it was special. So my intention with starting Foxwood, and also I was really sick of sewing pillows because I was, I mean, (laughs) I would have like, I remember, and I've talked about this on on other podcasts. So if anybody's listening, you probably heard this story, but um, we were leaving for a Beyonce concert. Like I'm in college, my girlfriends were like going to Beyonce and it was right before the holidays. And I'm like, okay, I know our flight leaves in an hour, but I have to finish sewing these couple of pillows and like get these packaged up. So I'm like no. sewing pillows with my suitcase ready to go. We're like going to this concert. But anyway, so I was kind of sick of sewing pillows and I had heard of, and it wasn't really, it's like not scalable, right? Yeah. So I had heard of, I, I mean, it could be, but I wasn't in, I was like 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had heard of people with blogs and I'm like, you know, like there's gotta be a way to make money doing this. I'm going to start a blog and like teach people how to sew and how to cook. And, you know, maybe I can make some money doing this. I don't, I don't really know, but I enjoy doing it. So I taught myself photography and gosh, that was a fun process. I mean, I look back and like some of my first projects are very, very precious. <laughs> and same, like, same. Oh um, I had this like succulent project. I made like a duvet cover that is so bad. I got to send you a photo of it. Um, Please. but anyways, so, so I, um, I transitioned from creating in a way on my Etsy shop to creating on the blog. And I found that people, well, I was trying to do like all of this crafting And it just really wasn't taking off. And my girlfriend was like, you know what, Chloe, I think you live on this ranch. Like you should share some of the the horses and you should share some of like what you're doing outside of these crafts. And I remember telling her that's the stupidest idea ever. Like no one's going to want to see that. And that's when I really started (laughs) to see things like take off because I think it was interesting to people and it was a bit more authentic to how I was actually living than trying. Cause I was like trying to post pictures Uh, my coffee, you know what you'd see on Instagram and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it just wasn't really doing well. So we made that transition. And so I guess then throughout the years, how we went from blog to now design and the shop and things like that. Um, I had also, I added these egg stamps. I don't know. If- I remember, I remember the egg stamps, but wait a second. So you started out with a shop in mind when you started the blog. And how many years was it from like blogging and establishing your brand to opening the shop? Well, gosh, maybe three or four because I went on a retreat 
And I picked up a bunch of French antiques when I was in France mm. and I brought them back and I like wanted to sell them. Right. So I had like, I was dabbling a little bit in in antiques. I had the egg stamps and I was also selling ribbon randomly. <laughs> so You're so random, enterprising. But, <laughs> yeah. And I think I was still selling like some aprons at that time because aprons were sort of the root. Yeah. Foundational piece too. So I was selling aprons, had the egg stamps, et cetera. And I had an online shop. So through Squarespace, mm-hmm. I was able to open up an online shop and I was selling those things. And I, I've shared this story before, but I, I think it's always worth talking about. I was really struggling and really feeling defeated because the ribbons weren't selling. I'm like, but there's other Etsy shops that have the same ribbon that I see there. You know, you could see how many sales. Like, why aren't I successful? Why aren't, isn't this um, succeeding? And I was selling actually return address stamps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I had the idea to make it for like jelly labels, for um, eggs, cartons, and eggs. So I had food grade ink mm. manufactured in like Texas or something. Of course you did. And I ordered like 300 little food grade ink pads and did the um, switched the stamps to the, literally the same product, right? It's a stamp, but now you're putting it on an egg. You're marketing it differently. Mm. I mean, that got picked up by like country living. It was in all these magazines. And so I share that story because oftentimes our success, what we deem as success is right in front of our face. And it's just kind of going over our head until we can stop and think about things a little bit differently and think about how we can niche down. And so like, I didn't change my product. I changed the way I was marketing my product and I changed the way I was um, utilizing a product Mm -hmm. and just marketed it in a more niche way. And that's when I really started to see success and same with like Instagram, that type of thing. So I think anybody that dreams that has big dreams, thinking about how you can make it more unique and more niche down, oftentimes that's where your like light bulb moment is going to come to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's incredible. Like, and I, I think that is a testament to, to your, um, willingness to just pivot and stay committed to the long-term vision and to just making it work. Yeah. And actually, sorry, I guess I didn't fully answer your question. So I, I started the online shop, right? And the, then, well, once the egg stance got featured in country living and maybe I want to say maybe it was in Better Homes and Gardens too. I, I don't remember, but it was featured. Oh my gosh. Lori, Lori is still my right-hand yeah. girl, but Lori at this time, she was living in Likely. And we were like, we had just hundreds of egg stamps. So we're like boxing up. This is back to like pillow days, but now egg stamps. And so we decided that it was time to shut that down because it we weren't wasn't really making any money because it was so time consuming yeah. to customize these stamps get them made, have them sent to me, packaged up, sent out. And so we decided, you know what, we are going to shift our focus and we're going to focus on the blog and we're going to just kind of shut the shop down for a little bit until we figure out a better way of what we really want to do. Mm. And so I also think just talking about pivoting, it doesn't, it didn't mean that we were closing that shop, the shop doors forever. It just meant that it wasn't the right time. So we just kind of set that ball down for a little bit until we were ready to really focus on it. So I think that there's something to be said for like, we can't do it all well, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody is, there's always going to be something that's kind of like you're making concessions. And so uh, just encouraging people to be able to set a ball down when you need to. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And I think that 
maybe this is like a me problem and it's not universal, but it feels (laughs) somewhat generational that we expect this viral success. And I think that even, and I think that's something, at least I hope when talking about more of like the philosophical side of like gardening or farming or ranching, um, that it's a bit transcendent, but it's like, we're not meant to be overnight successes. We're meant to hone and iterate and have this big vision, but work towards it and have a beginning and a middle and an end to a story. And I think that nowadays you just see someone like go crazy on Instagram or just become this, you know, get a something published in Better Homes and Gardens. And you think that that's it. I mean, you had this incredible peak being featured in these magazines for a product that you don't even sell anymore. And it's like, you've experienced valleys since then, but then even bigger peaks since then that I think are so incredible. Well, and I think success is different for everybody. And so defining, we talk a lot about this in our interior design business because I will be completely transparent and vulnerable. Like comparison syndrome, I I mean, I have that all of the time and I compare myself often and it's something that I'm working on, but defining what your success is. So that way, when you are looking at other people, for those of us that find ourselves doing that, it's like, well, that's not really what I want. And if it is showing you something that you really want, setting that as a goal and then chipping away at it. And I truly think going back to gardening, we can relate it to is harvesting and enjoying the food is like 10% of the overall joy you experience from gardening. The other 90% is like planning and the growing and the checking on it and being out there and watering and feeling the sun on your skin. And, you know, if you get a bug, you're like, "Ah, how am I going to tackle this? And the joy comes from the journey. It's not, it's not, there isn't really that end destination and it's realizing that and then enjoying those ups and those downs throughout the entire process. For sure. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's super, I know I always call you when I'm usually when I'm like having a hard time and I'm like, okay, <laughs> talk me through it. Like, tell me the good news. Help me stay on course because staying dedicated to that bigger mission like, and having that perspective that, you know, the 90% is what feeds the 10 perspective is so mm-hmm. incredible. Um, okay. Speaking of gardening, I want to better understand too, how gardening, why you started, when you started, did you grow up gardening? I know you keep a garden now. You just did sort of a renovation of the space too. I feel like in the past year, maybe, um, which looks beautiful. Tell us about your gardening and like how much time you spend out there. I'm going to re-ask all these questions because now I'm just interrogating you. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I keep getting off, off track too, but so I guess I did grow up gardening because my grandmother gardened all of the time. And so I'll have to send you a photo, but, um, she sent me a picture this year, I think in my birthday card and I'm like holding these carrots like this and they're like nine years old or something, which if anybody follows is actually kind of hilarious because my carrot, um, debacle of like trying to grow a carrot has been this whole Instagram series for like three years. I have similar issues with carrots. I can't grow them. I have some sprouting right now and I'm, I'm like terrified to look at them that they'll just evaporate. So I finally grew carrots this year and, but I just like, I grew one carrot and I'm like, how the heck are grocery stores stocked? Please, somebody enlighten me. I mean, the gratitude that gardening teaches you for farmers and ranchers 
<laughs> no doubt. <laughs> it's humbling. No doubt. Um, but yes, yeah, so I did grow up gardening and I've always enjoyed it. And I love just being outside with my animals. I love being in nature. And what's funny is like, had you asked me at 17, 18, 19, oh, do you enjoy nature? I would have been like, oh God, no. I don't want to be outside. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be inside. Um, like take me to a fun little cocktail yeah. bar. I don't want to be outside. And now I'm like, Same. oh my gosh, a glass of wine in the garden is my dream evening. Um, so I spend quite a bit of time out in the garden in the summertime. Now we have our gardening zone is year round frost. Oh my God. We have, we have a short gardening window. Um, it's probably from like June to October really. And during those months, I say I spend every evening out there until sunset. I'm probably like four o'clock. Yeah. It's my, it's my happy place. That's amazing. Um, what is, and this is something I ask everyone. Um, okay. So one is, do you have any gardening resources, like books or people that you love that you would recommend? I'm actually starting to sort of amass a collection of like everyone's favorite gardening books. Oh, gardening books. The, I want to say it's called like the Western Sunset. Yeah. Western Sunset. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Um, I utilize that a lot. My mother-in-law gave that to me and that's just very applicable, obviously, for the West Coast. And then, um, gosh, I'm forgetting his name, but he's like, the Garden King um, on Instagram and like in America or Britain? No, no, here in, it, you know, he has this incredible Instagram and I, I cannot remember. Like his Joe Gardner? No. No, no, he's always sharing helpful tips. You went to oh, go to his... um, Epic Gardening? Yes, yes. I'm embarrassed that I forgot his name or, you know, forgot his Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I love his his stuff too. He shares really helpful things and actually discovered him because he had done this video about topiary lavender and kind of how they make that. And I just found it really fascinating. So I started following him and yeah. Oh my gosh. Big shout out. So I did get to go visit him, um, recently, uh, Kevin is his name. And I always am afraid I'm going to say his last name wrong. Um, Esperitu, something like that. Anyways, but he's known as Epic Gardening everywhere. He's got like millions of followers. But Kevin is like mm-hmm. so, so gracious. And I, yeah, I made like a little YouTube video actually touring his garden. And he is, um, he's like a legit, he trials things, which is really cool. But it was so funny. I was asking him questions about like if he believed in any, of the more like woo woo, like biodynamic gardening stuff. And he was like, um, no, I don't <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I follow like science, like the rules of gardening. And I was like, maybe that's where I'm going wrong. I'm like <laughs> putting, well, you know. actually that you bring that up, like the moon cycle for ranching is very serious. Like uh, you aren't it, like, if you have a branding, it needs to be at the specific time of the, the moon cycle mm. to help with like, um, any, infection and that type of thing. So it's a thing. Well, it's a very big thing. I will never, because it's who I am, depart from the like woo-woo stuff. And uh, there are a ton of cultures around the world in the US, especially like Appalachia that follow like moon gardening. It's very tidal, mm-hmm. right? Because it has to do with like mm-hmm. how much moisture is in the soil and coming in and out. Mm-hmm. But I want to do a deep dive here on the podcast about biodynamics um, because I think that is that so be fascinating. I'm trying to find oh, yeah. like who is, who's like, who is the biodynamics go-to in the States? Um, 
looking for that person. I have some people I can connect you with because we are part, like our ranch is part of the Savory Institute, which is oh, all cool. regenerative, um, very soil focused in terms of the land and things like that. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. Okay. So those are great resources. And I think, uh, okay. So to tie in, cause I want to hear what you're working on now, how nature and gardening and sort of that homegrown handmade background and just passion that you have. How do you feel like you see that in your current work and tell us like kind of what you are currently working on that's taking up most of your time? Yeah. So I had a, so going back to the blog, right. We, I was sharing our remodeling journey and one of my girlfriends had said to me, I think that you have a future in design. You're really good at this. And I just looked at her again. Who are these Oracle girlfriends? Can I have them? Will they audit my life for me? (laughs) Yeah, actually there. And this um, one, her name is Sarah that told me that she's actually going to start working with us Mm. in January. I'm very excited for her to come out onto the team. But I just kind of thought, really? You know, I enjoyed decorating and remodeling and things like that, but I hadn't considered myself a designer at that point. I was like, okay. And I really think so. She goes, yeah, I think. I think you have something here. And um, so we got our first clients and we've grown the interior design firm. And that's where I find the most joy at the moment. I love the design firm. I love the clients we have. It's really, really fulfilling and wonderful. And I think that what makes the blog so different is we infuse, even in a very contemporary space, we infuse that sense of calm and sense of peace and nature into all of our projects so we're always trained to use natural materials, marble, uh, granite, wood, uh, things like that to, to create a warm and welcoming space. And I think that because as a design team, we, we kind of analyze some of our work and we analyze the work that we gravitate towards. And some of the words that we have come up with is um, calming, welcoming, very warm, nothing too precious. So that even somebody that is a very busy business person or busy professional can come home and have that sense of peace that I feel um, at my home. Yeah. So I try to infuse that into our project. I think that's amazing. And that's very felt. And I feel like same with the way you curate products for the shop and the way you've even just decided what to feature on your blog in the past. It's all been very consistently um, calming, nature infused, down to earth, but yet um, polished and sophisticated still, you know, and beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of like fancy farm girl. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I think that I, I'm a very laid back kind of casual person in my life. Like I, I just use everything. I live in everything. And I think that that's really nice because everything should be livable because we're creating these spaces for people to enjoy their lives in. So that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Because I'll I'll tell you, you know, when we had talked a little bit about this before, sometimes we can be our own harshest critics. Is that what people say? And I do not feel like, like, oh, that's really nice of you to say because I look at it and I'm like, oof, maybe this wasn't the best fit or, oh, maybe I didn't portray this as well as I could have. So thank you. No, I think you're the commitment that you've had with your brand to a certain aesthetic, which I, it's, it's my style. So I obviously love it, but, um, it's just very felt. I think it's very, I love how dedicated you've just been from the beginning to 
these core, these core passions that you have. And this, I mean, we, and, we, and yeah, we did chat about this briefly. There's so much like flash in the pan, get, get noticed quick, top five tips for something, but being really dedicated to the vision of an overarching brand. And like you said, coming at it from a feelings perspective. So this is how we want people to feel when they're in the homes that we design, when they're using the products that we sell, when they come over to the website um, and staying really committed to that for better or for worse. I look up to that and really think like, okay, that's, that's best practice. Um, But I'm sure it takes a lot of discipline and vision on your end. Well, yes. And I think a valuable lesson I learned in the past year as we, because we opened up, so we had shut down the online shop, right? Focused on the blog, focused on kind of brand building, and then transitioned back into the brick and mortar as we grew the design firm. And then we, when we opened up the shop, you know, I needed to stock the shelves. And I think we're all familiar with some of these like large brands that pretty much every, you know, you can find it anywhere. Um, they're like mass mass produced things, but they're made to look not mass mm-hmm, produced. So you can mm-hmm. find like looks like handmade ceramics, but it's not. So we stock the shelves with all of that, and it does. You know, looking back, it feels off to me, and I'm like, ugh, I'm not proud to be selling these mm. things. And it was a really good lesson to stay true to our roots. And now, like on our past trip to Europe, what we did is we met with all the artisans that we want to carry in the shop. So we went to the soap maker in Toulon. And they're going to be producing boxwood soap from, you know, that region. We met with ceramics artists having those handcrafted pieces. We met with um, the people that do the lavender oil. We met with the candle makers. So having more of those handcrafted artisan products to share that fulfillment of making something with your hands is way more true to what we do than just being able to sell product. So while I was able to, you know, maybe from the outside looking in, it it did look like that. There was struggle there over the past year of figuring out what we're going to continue to offer in the shop. Okay. That's first of all, amazing. And I was so so surprised in the process of decorating my own home, which we don't even have time to dig into. You helped me with a lot when we first moved into our house, like little known fun fact. And I'll talk about that on the gram more too. Um, how much that like bespoke hand made like Belgian farm antique, whatever, but ready to buy business is kind of inauthentic. And and this is not a dig at you. I mean, it was just, we were exploring things together and it's sort of easy, quote unquote, to find like the aesthetic because it's cool. So people are generating stuff for it. But I was, okay. So you recently showed this trip to Europe and you were showing these artisans, my first reaction is like, okay, this is the way business was supposed to be done. Like this is the way it was supposed to happen. You're supposed to get to know your maker and get to know the family behind it. I was hanging on every word and every experience watching you go visit. Like I'm going to totally butcher all of it, but I think there was this like cool guy doing ceramics and like the sisters doing soap. And then like you're finding the raddest vintage things in barns and like the middle of Provence, like really taking an impeccable eye that you have that you've been honing and making it accessible and honoring the artisanship and like the family business telling the story. Like 
this is it. I was just like, oh my God, this is it. Like this is doing it the right way. And I know it took a lot of effort and I can't even imagine like the planning and the logistics. Um, But I'm so impressed. And like, I don't think I'd ever be able to do a shop unless I did it like the Chloe way like that. Like that's so, I'm just beyond. Okay, real quick. I want to tell you about the Kitchen Garden Society. It's my monthly gardening club for all levels of gardener and in all U.S. hardiness zones. We're helping gardeners everywhere save time, maximize your yield, and build your true instincts. Each month in the Kitchen Garden Society, you get a to-do list of what to be harvesting, sowing, and transplanting, as well as what you should tend and task to. You get seasonal recipes and deep dive timely lessons to accompany the skills you're going to need in the garden this time of year. We hear from experts each month and get daily inspiration for seasonal living, as well as the opportunity to share and ask questions in our members-only Facebook group. I hope you'll visit us at thekitchengardensociety.com and check it out. It's hard because what's easy is to buy things that have been manufactured because it's lower minimums, it's way more accessible, you can reorder it, you know, once you shoot it, it's on your website once, you're good to go. And looking back, I I do wish that I would have started maybe smaller and grown our inventory more authentically. But now we have taken a look and said, you know what, we're culling some of these products. We're not reordering anything that's getting reordered in the shop and anything that's in the shop now is a focus on that handcrafted, small batch, handmade. um, What's the story behind it? And then sharing that story. And I mean, I journal all the time and I wrote down like, this is my purpose right now is to like take this woman who is one of the women that does the ceramics. She was in, she's, you know, this is the, she's had her career. She was in like insurance or something like that in France. And her boyfriend got her this kiln and he was like, you know what you, I want to empower you to make ceramics. And she makes the most beautiful ceramics. She's in the middle of nowhere, France. You'd never be able to find it. And she has this little cottage in the back of her house where we like handpicked all of these. She's living my dream. Being able to, yeah, being able to share these stories. And that's really what fuels me and what I'm passionate about. And it may not be the most profitable and it may be a little bit harder to grow and more expensive to start, but that is what's true to me and what I feel most passionate about. But I also feel like, and I can assume that you agree, but, um, this is what makes things not things. And I feel like that is what we're missing, especially in American culture. But this is why, I mean, you invest in more like heirloom products and you invest in brands like yours that are curating and really connecting people and cultures and gifts and callings to each other through. And we all have to, or we all are going to fill our homes with mm-hmm items and whether they're meaningful or not is up to you. And I think, I know for me, that's a huge goal is like, no, I want like my napkins to tell a story. I want my plates to be, because then you're treating every detail of your life with some reverence, which I just feel like Mm -hmm. the world is missing in general. But I think that elevation of like mass market things that you just fill your home with and transferring that into meaningful pieces that elevate your life and it doesn't have to mean fancy or expensive. It just means like, oh, absolutely. you know what I mean? Yeah. Elevate, I guess. So I, uh, a synonym for that in this context would just be like enhances. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. And and as we d- design people's homes, um, we are, that's what the beauty of having the shop is that when we go in to accessorize someone's home, we're able to pull the sheets from mm. this farm in Belgium that's been doing it for five generations. And we're able to pull in the, the vase is handmade in Morocco by, you know, these guys. And so being able to add that story into people's homes, I think it just adds life. It, it breathes life into someone's home versus, you know, we've all gone into spaces where everything's like perfectly curated mm. and brand new and shiny. And that's not our goal or intention. We want to have vintage pieces and, and pieces that have soul. Well, and to go back to the the woo component, like everything has a vibration. Like I believe that. I believe yes. that a beautiful Absolutely. set of linens that are made in a loom, you know, for decades by a family who's, you know, I'm obsessed with like the hand, blo- the block printing trend mm-hmm. happening, um, which is not a trend. It's super an ancient practice. Um, but that, the feeling of those sheets on your skin is different. And it's the same as the feeling as, it's like the feeling of eating a homegrown tomato. Absolutely. You know, it's that same thing. Oh, that's a, such a good way to tie it all in. That's a, that's couldn't be a better analogy. It's like you can go buy the tomato at the store, but you grow your tomato and there's so much more to it. And that is exactly what we're trying to do with home goods is give provide people with that homegrown storied um, product. I love it. I can't get enough. So an additional <laughs> layer... Um, and I'm trying to, and I was like, I'm seriously, seriously considering this, but Lord knows with three children, what my future is going to look like. (laughs) You are doing, you've always had some sort of an in-person experience through retreats. Um, and I know that's evolved over the years. Um, but are the rumors true? Like, are you taking people to Europe to sort of meet these people and do the things and have these experiences? Tell me more about that. Yes, the rumors are true. And I think we'll continue to do it. So even if it's like next year, you know, Um, but so we are going this year in May to Florence and in September to Provence. And we had always wanted to do this. We've, we've always offered in-person retreats in Sonoma where I kind of teach like small business ownership essentially. And we always wanted to go international And after this past trip, I was like, it's time we are bringing people over. And these retreats are more lifestyle focused. They're not necessarily business focused. So it can be for anybody. You don't have to own a business to come, but there'll be some photography um, elements to it, that type of thing. But the intention is to share these stories with people and provide people with that incredible experience that we recently had. So for example, in Provence, um, we'll be meeting with that um, pottery maker who they're actually, it's a really cool story. The woman, I want to say they're like fifth or sixth generation, but it had been men all mm. leading up to it. And her and her sister just took it over. They're the first women to run this. And they're one of the oldest pottery companies in the South of France. So, so cool to see the woman's touch on this thing that had been dominated by the male, you know, like it it was just more masculine. And now you can see their feminine touch on it. And it's so cool. So we'll we'll be going to take pottery lessons from them and you can ship pottery home. We'll be going to the soap manufacturers just to provide people with that experience and then also antiquing and being able to bring antiques home. So it's, it's like a living the boxwood lifestyle, I guess, retreat. Oh my God. How many people will get to go? 
Like how many spaces are you thinking? We've done 10 to 12 per trip. So we have some like mother-daughter duos. We have like one to two spots left in each um, for next year. Yeah, we're almost sold out. I mean, technically we would we, we would open it up for like one or two yeah. people, but we want to keep them small and intimate. 12 um, is like a yeah, lot of have... people to shuttle around the French countryside. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> not nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Me, um, Lori, who you uh, met, and I don't know if you've met Nadia, um, but the three of us and my friend, Jamie, we are going to be um, kind of the, the leaders of this. And then we have uh, tour guides and like, it will we'll be going to people's homes to cook for a cooking class on the farm, I die. harvesting and then doing wine tasting at the winery. So really an immersive experience for people. And like we have yoga planned and spa days for me. So it's going to be really outrageous. In, yeah. In Provence, we've rented out a whole chateau oh. and it's this incredible re- oh, <laughs> restored chateau. Just... That it was, it was featured in um, architectural digest in France in like the last maybe two issues ago, but it's beautiful. And then in Florence, um, which like I had never been to Florence. I didn't plan on Mm. Florence, but when we went there, it was the most incredible experience. I was like, I have to bring people here. Oh my God. And so it's this amazing villa that this woman restored and it's so freaking beautiful. I can't wait for people to handle it. it. First of all, I'm just so wildly jealous because I want to go on one of these trips, but you have like a nose for these things. You introduced me to Chateau Sonoma, which is where you used to host your retreats. Um, I met Sarah. She's incredible. And I'm dying to host something. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like you just have like a, I don't know, you have a nose for it. Like finding these places. I don't know. I can't wait to follow along. I'm so excited. It's going to be very fun. And yeah, Sarah from Chateau Sonoma is a soul sister to me. She is a guiding light in my life and has made such an impact. So I'm excited that you got to meet her and hopefully you'll get to do a retreat there because it's- I know her property is very transportive and it's um, it was really cool to be somewhere where you really feel someone's aesthetic. Again, similar to you, like a commitment to storytelling and curation and authenticity. She just does it so beautifully. It's crazy. You know, she would be a good one to interview. You're right. Okay. I'm, I'm going to actually yeah. reach out to her. That's such a good idea. Because she is really cool. She was born in Chico and comes from, her father was a chicken farmer. And Sold. so she just, her roots are really deep in farming. And so with Fifth Street Farm, her farm. Anyways, I won't give too much away, but it would be a really great interview. No, that's a great idea. I got to, so I got to go to her house and I got to wander her gardens and she wasn't there. We actually didn't really get to meet in person. We just, uh, I know we missed each other, but she let me like roam around her property, which was so generous. And that's the type of person she is. She would have invited you to spend the night. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> I was inviting myself at that point. I was like, I'm just going to cozy up in the barn and like, don't mind me. I'm just going to go through your fridge, make, you know, make an espresso or something. But, um, it was really interesting. I saw on her farm, she was growing gomfrina, which is like a little flower that dries really well. Um, and I immediately came home and planted it and still have some, and it makes me think of her, but the way she styles it and she uses it feels so like she can elegant. And I'm like folding laundry and making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with my <laughs> girlfriend on the counter. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Okay. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I could continue to ask you all the questions, but thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody find you? 
Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always humbling to get to share my story because I love sharing other people's stories. Um, uh, Boxwood Avenue, boxwoodavenue.com is the hub. We have our interior design business, which is design.boxwoodavenue.com. And then the shop is, or the mercantile is Boxwood Avenue Mercantile, is shop.boxwoodavenue.com. And then we're at Boxwood Avenue on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube. <laughs> we try and be a little bit of everything. I love it. And you're taking on design clients still? Always. Oh, yes. Yeah. We t- we take on design clients across the country. Um, we have our first international project in India I, right now, which is very the, cool. Just the inspiration board for that project. I was like, it, I can feel the you-ness of it so much, which is so cool. Like, I really feel like you're honing. But like, India, what? Do you get to go? Yeah. We'll see. I'm not sure. So we work remotely. Like we're yeah. very comfortable working remotely. So we'll see if we end up needing to go. It's a, a remodel family home. It's 200 years old. So it's very, very, it's an honor to get to work on um, with an incredible client. And we're also doing his home in Knoxville, Tennessee. So uh, yes, we serve clients all over the world now. Um, and then we also have a virtual design program, which is a more cost-effective way to work with us. Um, like if there's a one room that somebody might want to do, we're able to offer um, virtual help. That is amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I adore you. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Love you too. I know. I'm we need to get together. You, and I'm grateful our, our friendship has, you know, it's it's really fun to continue our friendship throughout the years. I agree. I agree. We're getting together. Maybe I'm coming to Provence. We'll see. Heck yeah. <laughs> Come with I'm us. Coming. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> All right, lady. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.